Welcome to the Akiyama Brothers Song to Screen Podcast, hosted by Mark and Landon Akiyama. Your heroes are back in episode 33 to restore order by talking about the music of Avengers Endgame. Find out more at akiyamamusic.com. Hi, Mark. On your left. Oh, you'd be more excited about that. On your left. Anyway, uh, yes, we are here. Hi, Mark. Uh, to talk about the Avengers Endgame uh, and the music in it. Fair warning, though, we are going to talk about spoilers in this episode. Um, there's really no way to talk about the music without going into spoilers. Yeah. So, sadly, if you haven't heard or have you ha- if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame... Stop now. Or if you don't care about spoilers, just keep listening and uh, and we'll tell you everything that happens and and uh, how the music... You don't have to go see it. Helps that and then, you know, yeah. It'll be the next best thing besides go seeing it. So. We'll reenact scenes and everything. We probably will, knowing <laughs> us. Doctor Strange started to do that, that weird sparkly thing with his hands and then... And then... <laughs> it's good to see you, kid. Oh, oh, this is nice. This is nice, yeah. Uh. I saw one of the deleted scenes where Tony, afterwards, he gives him a kiss. I don't think that was a deleted scene. I think that was just the rest of the scene after they said cut. No? No, I'm doubting myself, but it came from Robert Downey Jr.'s Instagram. Yeah, well, yeah, speaking of that stuff, so we also have, like, I guess a couple stories of um, what went on behind the scenes, too. Uh, yes. I'll see with Tony Stark. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. didn't want to reshoot the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, kind of. And action. Go. Okay, so uh, I think we should just start, go into it. Um, We'll be talking about the scenes as we go through the music. Um, But I think we'll probably just start talking about some of the most significant significant, um, pieces of music for this. Um, Some of the new stuff that Alan Silvestri did for his score of Avengers Endgame. a bit of a backstory of Alan Silvestri before we start going to this new movie. Um, he did do Captain America, the first Avenger. He did Avengers 1, the first one where they're fighting basically Loki in New York. Um, and then he also did Avengers Infinity War. Um, he didn't do Avengers Age of Ultron because Brian Tyler and Danny Elfman did that one instead. Um, so that yeah. one does have a different flavor as far as... Um, Tonal music goes and feel, um, but he did do these last two. Um, he did both the Avengers: Infinity War and then the End Game, the two couplet ones. Yeah, as they were filming. Yeah, back to back. Um, so he was hired for both of them um, to cover those. Yeah, he also did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. He also did Back to the Future. Uh, how's that go? Bum, 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 ba-da-dum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, ba-da-dum, bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 ba-da-dum. Isn't that it? Yep. Yeah. Pretty close. Something like that. Um, which is funny because they do do some Back to the Future references as far as the actor's lines go. Um, yes. And we thought they did a callback with the score, the soundtrack, the score for the Back to the Future stuff, but Landon was wrong. Yes. I heard that in another, in another podcast that they did that. Um, 
so oh so that other podcast was wrong yeah i can't take full credit for being wrong so anyway the lesson learned is we're the authority on the scores podcast stuff so you should just listen to us yep That was good. Even got some vibrato going. Uh, yeah. I have to get up to 88 miles per hour. Is it 88? Is it 80? I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> so okay, continue. I'm done with that. That's enough. Back to the future segments. Okay. Does does the movie start out with Tony Stark? Or do they do nope. that Dear well, Mr. Fantastic? Song first by traffic. Oh no, it starts with the the Hawkeye scene at his farm ranch. Right. Just kidding. I have seen this movie, I swear. But um and then so he goes to the Hawkeye scene. Which I didn't know if it was starting or if that was another commercial with Jeremy Renner f- movie. But then he had a bow and I was like, Oh, this can't be a coincidence. Yeah. Unless he's the new um uh Hunger Games star. Is he the new Katniss Everdeen? I don't think so. The new remake? Yeah, so then there's the Hawkeye scene, and then we go into Dr. Sorry, then we go into Dear Mr. Fantastic um, by Traffic, which was a song that they had to license. And then we get... Which took the place of the traditional Marvel credits music. Yes, which, that was interesting. I don't know why they did that. I think they did it because there's a different tone for the film, so they didn't want to start it off as heroic sounding because we all knew that they, they weren't heroes anymore. They failed. Yep. Right. So going into that failure, after that we see um, basically Iron Man, Tony Stark, and is abandoned in the ship, uh, the stranded ship with Nebula. And throughout that whole scene, he's talking to his Iron Man mask, um, his helmet, and writing Pepper Potts. Okay, okay. No, not too many spoilers, but yeah. That's in the trailer. I know, yeah. He's writing Pepper Potts a death note. Really, in the because he thinks he's gonna die, and throughout that whole scene, Alvin Silvestri has um, the track in the soundtrack totally fine. It's the first one, and I'm totally fine as I drift. I'll think of you. It's always you. Tink tink tink. And so, in this totally fine, um, in this totally fine piece, score, soundtrack, music. Um, Alan Silvestri introduces a new melody that kind of signals what's a, what we can expect to happen to Tony Stark. Well, not really. He introduces a melody that is linked to Tony throughout the film, and then we don't find out till later what the melody really is. Ah, thank you. So I guess there is a little bit of misdirection. Um, yeah. Wouldn't say that. Yeah. Okay, anyway, here's a clip of the melody. Um, we won't say what it means, but we'll get to that.
and we're back. Okay, so in the totally flying fine in the totally fine clip, we get the new Tony Stark theme, which Alan Silvestri never really had a hand in writing anything. Well, Iron Man really doesn't have a theme. Iron Man really doesn't have a theme because, because they kept changing it for yeah. every movie. Ramin Djawadi did it, who's the Game of Thrones composer. He did the first Iron Man, which was totally different from Brian Tyler's Iron Man three, which was totally different from Iron Man and Avengers. So Iron Man really never had like his own sort of theme. He always just had like. Also, his movies were kind of all over the place too, sort of. Well, I mean that's because they didn't really have a the same team or you know similar key components of the team yeah which is weird because he's one of the main characters and i'm talking about like the production team yeah uh-huh creative team behind iron man they kept changing from movie to movie um and that like mark said that extended to the composers that they had for each movie so there isn't really a musical theme that's uh, continuous throughout his story arc yeah except for in this movie i guess right because, spoiler alert, guess who dies at the end? The very person we're talking about. Yeah. So the new theme that you hear in Totally Fine when we when we see Nebula or we see the camera holding on Tony Stark laying down, that's the funeral music playing or the start of his funeral music, the, the melody that we use for that. And so uh, even in the movie, like when I was watching it, I wasn't sure, oh, is he, did he just, is he unconscious now? Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he died. Yeah, because then then Nebula picks him up and sits him down in the seat, like she's posing him for to drift off completely. I guess. Well, I guess they expected to die. So yeah, but so that's where we first hear the funeral music, and then we hear it again later when Tony goes back to Earth and he's talking to Pepper about how he fixed or the time, how he solved the problem of time travel, and then she's trying to convince him, well, you kind of have to go for this. We hear the that same funeral melody come back. Then the other track that I thought was cool was number nine, The How Works, which was sort of the Avengers theme, but broken down into uh, like a jazz spy sort of sound because they're talking about the time heist now. So it's kind of like, sounds like Pink Panther, uh, James Bond style, a little bit of Mission Impossible with the the roll on the bongos. Yeah, and here it is.
Okay, yeah. So you also have the jazz jazz flute coming in, and you had the the triangle going like ting 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 that kind of thing, and then you also have at the end that vibra slap. Uh, so that's like it's makes sort of like a rattlesnake sound. It's a a wooden percussion instrument that it's a little like a cowbell sort of shape, and then has little logs inside that jump around and make that rattling sound. Call it a vibra slap. So that one was cool because they're trying to plan out their time heist. And so we get the Avengers theme in a totally new style. Yeah. And isn't that also Cap's, um, Cap's theme in the very beginning? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But his and, theme is very similar to the Avengers. Right. The, but also think about who wrote Captain America's theme. Yeah. Alan Silvestri. Since I guess since he wrote the Avengers theme um, and Captain America's theme, he really uses those the most, and those are the themes that we hear throughout the twenty-two movies. Um, Even in Infinity War, when you first see Captain America with the long beard after he's saving Vision and uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch, right? He catches the alien lady spear. And they start playing that his theme song before we even see who it is. That same chugadum, chugadum, chugadaga, chugadum, chugadum, jump, jump, bum, bum, ba, bum. Yeah. So what I'm trying to well, say is, I don't know. It seems like Captain America is the only one that has a continuous theme throughout all the Marvel movies, and then everybody else kind of doesn't have one. Um, so it's not. So theirs aren't really that as memorable as his. Yeah, really, for Iron Man, though, the closest thing to a theme that he has is all the the classic rock songs that always play. Like right, the, like the Black Sabbath. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that those set the Iron Man tone pretty much. Um, yeah, but he doesn't really have a score theme. Yeah. Or like a light mo- He doesn't have a light motif. Yeah. Brian Tyler's score in Iron Man 3 was kind of comic book style, wham bam, kind of over, over, uh, over exaggerated. And then we can say the same thing about Thor. He doesn't really have a theme. Um, well, kind of. Brian Tyler wrote a theme for Thor in the second movie. Right, but they always change it. Yeah, it's never the same. Then Thor three, that one was gone. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok, Mark, yeah. Mother's Ba. He kind of he kind of did something similar to Brian Tyler's, but he just he changed the tone of it. Well, that whole movie was a different tone, so. <laughs> Thank you. 
they all kind of go in tons of different directions. Yeah. So I don't know that. What is that to say about Marvel now? I mean, yeah. They're really good at planning story arcs, but their music has no continuity at all. Yeah. I, I mean, they hire different directors for each one, I guess. In, it, in a sense, I guess that makes sense because they don't want the characters going stale by using the same artistic and creative crew for every movie for that character. But I have no idea why they do that. So yeah, I don't know. That's just my, that's just my, it could be that the old, that's my reasoning why they do that. Um, yeah. But the closest thing to the Iron Man score that I like is the first one with, um, Ramin Jawadi doing it because he took the black Sabbath songs and used a very heavy, uh, or he wrote a score that relies heavily on, uh, electric guitar and rock music for Iron Man's theme. And I thought that felt most like Iron Man. And they never really brought that back. That should have stayed with him, though. So that was my favorite Iron Man score, definitely. Sorry, Brian Tyler. Um, I don't know. The other next notable one that I liked was the or the next notable track in Endgame, at least, was number ten, "Snap Out of It," uh, the beginning. Uh, that's the scene for Thor, right? Yeah, uh, that's when. Rocket and Thor go to Asgard. Yeah, they've already gone back in time. Um, the teams are splitting up. Thor and Rocket end up in Asgard um, to get the ether um, out of Natalie Portman. And then basically when they first get there, Thor's having a panic attack. He's freaking out. Um, he ends up seeing his mom at a distance. She doesn't see him yet, but he sees her. And basically his emotions unwind. He brings down. And here's that clip. Okay, and this one's confusing a little bit to me because uh, it sounds sort of Norwegian, like Landon said, or Norwegian, uh, a little bit Celtic, but the way that they're playing the violin or the string instrument, it sounds uh, like a lot of drone notes happening, so that makes it sound like a bagpipe, sort of. Um, and you hear clicking in the violin when it changes notes. So to me, it almost sounds like it's a hurdy-gurdy. I'm not sure. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's a hurdy-gurdy in the beginning of that track, which, um, so hurdy-gurdy is a, I don't know if we talked about it before. It's a, it's an old string instrument, like a violin, um, except it's like a music box where you have to, you have to hand crank, you have to, yeah, hand, hand crank, crank it. it. 
and there's I think either one or two drone note drone strings. There's three strings usually. Two of them are static notes that while you crank it, they just hold the same note. And then there's one string that you play the melody on, but the melody is not played with your fingers. Um, you, you press down keys, sort of like a, eh, like, or like mini piano keys, and those keys press against the string, and that's what changes the length of the string and changing the note. And there's also no bow, so the hand crank has, uh, the hand crank vibrates the strings of the hurdy gurdy, so it's it's making all three strings sound at the same time, and then only one of them is changing the melody. So that's why the snap out of it track with with Thor, you kind of get that Norwegian, uh, almost Celtic bagpipe kind of sound because you have those two drone notes from the hurdy gurdy, and then the melody is being played. And then if you listen, you can hear the clicking of the keys every time the the melody note changes on the, the string. Yeah, it's really cool. There's a rosin wheel rubbing against the strings. Yeah. Sort of how a the bow of a cello or a violin um, has horsehair, and then you put rosin on the horsehair to give it that tug on the strings. Um, so there's a wheel that you crank, and it keeps turning, like Mark said. Yeah. So I remember watching the movie and I was thought that was a cool scene because it's a completely different instrument and we're in Asgard. So that kind of makes sense. Um, Cause we're in Thor's realm now and the instrument hurdy gurdy is like an old world instrument. And uh, it, even if you don't know what it is, you can tell that it's not quite a violin or not quite a cello. Um, so it gives it that kind of otherworldly, not prehistoric. What's the word I'm looking for? Ancient? Uh, Godly sound? I don't know. You know what I mean. You know how Thor's old. Like Viking. I would say like Celtic, Viking. Yeah, Celtic, Viking, sort of. Um, uh, train your dragon era. Yeah. So it gives it that sound right off the bat. That's why I like that track. Yeah. Anyway, what's your favorite track? Well, my favorite track, I would say, is uh, The Portals. It's um, Track 28? Yeah, track 28, Portals. And that, as you can guess, that's when everybody comes back. Um, Doctor Strange and... What's There's the a guy's, sparkly thing. What's the other guy's name? Yeah, Doctor Strange. Wong. Wong. Yeah, they do that sparkly thing and they open up portals that everybody, all the Avengers walk through. It's big and epic. You know, Captain America is getting his ass handed to him by Thanos. Well, I don't think you could say that on radio. Um, Even though it's America's it's a private leap. podcast. Well, public podcast, but. That's America's. Hey, <laughs> double snakes. Yikes. Anyway, yeah, that was a good track because they put the Avengers theme through a bunch of different variations, right? Yes. You modulate it a couple times and then just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. <laughs> Modulations are good and well, if you want to hear those, here's a clip.
And the beginning of the track starts with the drums because we see uh, Black Panther's silhouette come out and we hear, who do we hear over the radio? Sam. Sam. Sam Wilson, Anthony Mackie's character. Yeah, Yeah, and we get the solo trumpet, which reminds us of Captain America's, um, like, his very first movie, Captain America's Civil War, not Civil War, Captain America's World War scene. Yeah, with the trumpets, or the solo trumpet, um, solo trumpet call. I like that one. Drums are not similar to Ludwig Gorenson. No, but it's yeah, not Black even Panther. close. Yeah, yeah. You don't get the talking drum at all. Yeah, I don't think we get that at all. Yeah, you don't get that at any point. Which yeah. I guess that's fine. I mean, they they mostly focused, and by they I mean the creative team mostly focused on the original six Avengers um, for this movie. So, Iron Man, Captain America, um, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Thor, and Hulk. And Spider-Man. No. He's not He's not one of the originals. He was made an Avenger Under during Ruth. Infinity War. No civil... Oh, nope. you're right. Infinity, Infinity War, War yeah. that's okay. when... Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. And then when... In the You Did Good track, isn't... Uh, yeah, and also in this track, uh, 28 Portals, we also get a... I guess... Yeah, new theme, I'd say. I'd say... I call it... I would call it a new theme. Well, that that theme's been playing throughout the movie, though, in different parts. So it's like the new Avengers theme for Endgame, like the defeated Avengers theme, and then he mixes. It doesn't sound very defeated, though. No, but that's the the theme that's been playing through Avengers. The this movie, Infinity War. No. Where else? Where else was it played, though? I'm not sure, but it sounds familiar, so it's in there somewhere. Okay, I will take your word for it. Anyway, never mind. Say what you were saying. Anyway, You Did Good is the next one. And uh, that's track 31. Um, The music plays out when Pepper says, You can rest now to Tony. And uh, we have total silence and... Tony slips away and Saul is released from his body and he can rest. And his arc reactor goes out, even though that makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know why his arc reactor would go out. Because it's a separate power source and not attached to his heart or battery at all. So It is and a it's power supposed source. To be, yeah. It's supposed to be... It's only like a housing compartment. Infinite and continuous. But I guess we wanted to be symbolic and... Movie effects. Yeah. But that was nice. That was nice. They had um, the first arc reactor that he made in the cave that Pepper Potts has framed that says uh, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. And that's the, that's the put on a flower bed and they send it out to the lake. Yeah, that's when the last track plays, the real hero. 
Yeah, so track 32, The Real Hero. Let's see, this is kind of where Tony Stark is narrating um, what he thinks what from, happened? His, from his message that he wrote for his untimely death. Um, we see scenes of everyone back together, back to normal. At least the normal version of the planet is restored. Um, there's kind of a procession sound at two minutes and 30 seconds that Mark thinks emulates a whistle tone. Actor shimmering when first made it. I don't think so. I beg to do, but each say anything about that? No, except this is the funeral scene that the whole his whole new theme has been playing throughout the movie, and then now we finally get the fleshed out idea. And then here's the ending section that I thought kind of it doesn't make the same sound as the arc reactor but it kind of reminds you of what it sounded like when you first turned the arc reactor on the that high pitch humming sound You see what you mean? It's got that nice little tremolo going. It's also got like the the religious pipe organ kind of sound, the higher higher octave range of the the whistling pipe organs in a church. Yeah, kind of like Tony Stark is now redeeming himself. Completed his arc. The the billionaire genius playboy philanthropist. Out wouldn't lay down his life. To Always had a shortcut, things way out. So to speak. now, well, his arc is completed. He there is no way out. And this time, he realizes that he decides to sacrifice himself for the greater good.
Okay, well, Martin, do you have any final thoughts? Anything? You know, it could be anything um, non-music related, music related, character related. What did you think about the film? Director related? Yada yada yada. I have questions. Like what? Let's hear. I don't know. I don't get it. Like, does that mean since we went five years in the future, does that mean Tony Stark hasn't died yet, and he'll die in four years or so? Since Five years after the snap was last year when Endgame came out. So I don't get if Tony Stark's in the future dead or now now dead. I don't know. Oh, you mean you're talking about the movie? Yeah. Timeline. Yeah. Uh, you know the, the timeline that Marvel no no the set movie out, no no not, the movie not the movie not the timeline that Marvel set out to create movies. No, I'm talking about the movie's timeline versus our real-world timeline. Well, uh, I don't know if this helps, but I did hear that the next Avengers movie will be in four years. Like, as far as this, let's say this is the first year of the five years later. Yeah. 2019. So the next Avengers movie won't come out until 2024. Does it? I don't know if that answers it. I'm, no, that doesn't answer it. That, that makes gives it worse. me more questions, but I don't know. But then the Russo brothers also like totally contradicted their their argument for time travel in this movie because they said by Loki getting away with the uh, the Tesseract, he created his own reality or his own timeline, which doesn't make sense because Bruce Banner or Hulk promised Tilda Swanson's magic character that if he returns the time stones or returns the stones to their exact time they were taken, then all those alternate realities will get erased. But then the Russo brothers later, they said, Oh yeah, Loki's fine. Like he got away. And I was like that then, then that means Steve Rogers didn't, didn't succeed when he put the time stone back where he was supposed to. That means that was like pointless. Well, he did take the time stone back. He took the time stone. The, well, the time. Hang on, time he, out, time out. Because if if no, he took he took this all the stones back from where from the point in time and where they got them. Yeah. So Iron Man got the Soul Stone uh, back in 1970 on the base. Yeah, so they put the Tesseract stone back before Loki gets it. But then, yeah, but that's that's like that's still in the future. So they if they did if they kept the time stone if they kept all the all the Infinity Stones in the five years later after they already defeated Thanos, Tony Stark used them to snap Thanos and his army out of existence. If they kept those during in that time, then. Then the alternate realities would have opened up because they would have taken those stones out of existence during the times that they took them in the past. Okay, I know, yeah. That would open up six other alternate realities that would be nasty or or worse. Yeah, but then Steve Rogers at the end of the movie goes back and puts them back, right? Yes. To to undo those. I I think it's to avoid opening up those six alternate realities. Yeah. So you still get the... um. So yes, Tony Stark and Ant-Man messed up when they first tried to grab the Tesseract at the end of Avengers um, 
the first movie, and Loki gets away. Yes, yeah, so they did mess up, so Loki still got away, um, but they still needed the Tesseract, so they went back further in time in 1970 to grab the Tesseract. Um, so, so Loki, yeah, Loki's still alive, basically. So and right now, yeah, basically there's two alternate realities that I know of, the Loki one and the Captain America one, when he goes back to 1940 and stays with Peggy Carter um, to kind of have... His life. Yeah. Anyway, it's very confusing, and I think they went through a lot of trouble to explain it, but still, it doesn't really make sense. Well, time travel never really makes sense, I, especially in movies. Like, you could... I mean, the rules for time travel in movies are always fast and loose. Like, they make the rules up, and then they break them. Okay. Okay, well, let's see. My final thoughts... I don't know. It was a nice movie, I guess. I, thought, I just didn't think they suffered enough. You don't think they suffered? I think they suffered plenty. Um, I know. Well, they're I like, like I like I I thought it was a good. I thought it was a really good movie. Um, I was very sad when Tony Stark sacrificed himself and died. Yeah. Okay. But in the beginning, they were all like sad that they lost, even after they killed Thanos. And then they were like, oh, yeah, boom, five years later. Now we finally have a solution. So let's go fix it. I was like, oh, okay, well, this, that didn't take long. The solution didn't come until until Ant-Man, um, Scott Lang. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Got out of the quantum zone. I'm just saying they had an opportunity to make a nice, like a nice piece of cinema like Wolverine or Logan was, like the final chapter for Wolverine. Um, like it wasn't just a comic book movie; it was actually like a good movie movie. Um, but I think this one was. It didn't really elevate itself past being just a comic book movie. In my opinion, parts of it did, like Tony Stark's parts and Robert Downey Jr.'s acting. No, I think. But I think overall, it's was still just a comic book movie. Well, I mean, the characters are based in comics. I know, I know yeah. I don't know what you expect from that, but I'm because you, do, we'll, see, you yeah. do see a whole lot of character development throughout these two movies, Infinity War and Endgame, and also the 22 movies that Marvel issued leading up to these two final installments, um, especially with, I think, Iron Man and Captain America. They're, they started out as foils of each other, and then kind of rubbed off on each other towards the end. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know. I the I don't know if Logan the Logan movie is a comparable movie because in each X-Men movie it, he's kind of the same character. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying the Logan movie was in a class of its own. It was like a, a comic book movie, but it was like it was a a drama not just a comic book movie and i think they had a chance to do that with avengers endgame but and they tried to do that or at least make it more uh emotionally story driven but i think it, it was still basically a comic book movie just like just i'm just i mean just like how dark knight the dark knight trilogy was sort of its own kind of thing. Okay. 
Well, did you enjoy it at least? I don't yeah, know. I did. Well, I think we established you're hard to please, but... <laughs> um, uh, everybody hyped it up so much, though, and I think I was a little bit let down. Also, the action scene at the end, the big fight scene, I like the Infinity War fight scenes a lot better because you could actually see what was going on and it wasn't a big pile of people fighting other people. Well, uh, right. Um, sorry, you feel that way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm cynical. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you really are. Maybe I'm just mad. Tony Stark is done. I don't know. I thought it was a really good bookend to this series of and the the lives of these six um, Avengers. Uh, it was really fun to watch. I really enjoyed it. I liked following their stories throughout these movies. Um, of course, I'm going to miss Tony Stark. I'm going to miss Captain America. Well, the original, um, the the Steve Rogers version of Captain America, at least. Um, I'm going to miss seeing those in the next Avengers movies. Um, Especially because Robert Downey Jr. was played Iron Man like spectacularly well, uh, he fit he fit the character almost perfectly. Like he was almost made for this uh, character, um, and like Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. rose from the ashes. Okay, we can cut that out. But whatever, uh, I'm done. Those are my final thoughts. Me too. That's it. If you want to find Mark and I on social media, you can find us on Instagram. Just search our names. We should pop up. And then if you want to follow along on the podcast, feel free to subscribe on iTunes, on Overcast, on Podcast, on Pocket Cast, on Castro, whatever, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can catch up with Mark and I on the website, um, akiyamamusic.com. You can always drop us a dime or you can leave a review on the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Um, that's always a great way to also reach us. Um, we haven't asked for reviews in a while, so please uh, do review our podcast and let us know what you think. Um, let us know if this episode talking about in uh, talking about Avengers Endgame was insightful for you, and whether you liked it or not, whether you agree with Mark or you agree with Landon on their final thoughts. Thank you, and have a good night. Bye bye. Bye. Good night.